The following audio is from Gold Country Baptist Church in Shingle Springs, California. Visit gcb.church to find more resources and to learn about our church. Women of the Word, October 1st, 2023, A Biblical Response to Anxiety, Part 1. Okay, yes, so I am Jen Dwyer, if you don't know my name. So um, uh, just a little about myself. I'm just in the um, Biblical Counseling Master's degree program at um, the Master's University. And um, I've been in that for, I don't know, two years, three years, something like that. So, But I'm on the six-year plan right now, so it was going to be four years, but got extended. Um, so just slowly taking classes. I'm about halfway through the program. So I've um, been through most of the basic stuff, and what I have left is mostly um, like practical counseling type classes, like more nitty-gritty type stuff. But uh, yeah, so it's been a really good program. A lot of just what does it mean to be a biblical, approach life from a biblical lens as opposed to a secular or even an integrationist lens, which um, an integrationist counselor is someone who who blends secular psychology with biblical counseling. So they draw a lot from the secular world and um, incorporates it with, with um, the Bible. Whereas a biblical counselor is drawing, it's, the Bible is sufficient completely for counseling the souls of people. And we definitely draw from the secular world. Like, we will look at what they're studying, what they're saying. Um, we don't ignore secular psychology. Um, but it's all taken with, um, these are men and women who are without Christ, without God. And so everything that they learn is, um, is through us, you know, the, the lens of sinful man. And so they might be learning facts, but the way they interpret those facts are um, tainted by our sin. Um, whereas as Christians, we can read and study the Bible, and the Holy Spirit is teaching our hearts and um, helping us to understand God's word. So that's why we are able to grow and change, because we actually have the Holy Spirit within us. So whereas secular psychology, they don't have the Holy Spirit, so they can't actually have um, soul-level change that is um, meaningful and lasting and real. So um, that's where I'm coming from. So, um, all right, why don't we pray to get started? So, um, dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for um, bringing me here and for um, giving me this time to um, speak and share all the things I've been learning and um, just pray that you would Help me to um, speak uh, truth from your word and um, to help all of us here to grow in Christ and to love one another and um, just be um, devoted to you in all things. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so I just, um, I called this a biblical response. To anxiety, so um, I just wanted to hear, like, first of all, um, 
from you guys. Um, how do you know when, um, when you or someone is feeling or experiencing anxiety to the point where it's a problem? Like I know we all have anxiety or um, worry or concern or stress. Like there's a lot of different things to call it. When would you say that it becomes a problem? To kind of. When it controls your thoughts. Okay. Uh-huh. It controls your thoughts. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. When you never can relax, you can't even sleep at night because you're so full of anx- anxious thoughts. And yeah. It just overtakes your whole life. Yeah. Maybe even waking up at night, maybe think of, yeah, waking up in the middle of the night with that thought, like, oh my gosh, I didn't even know I was worried about this, and I'm waking up and I'm thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. <coughs> Uh-huh. Yes, for sure. Mm-hmm. Or other physical responses, too. Underlying causes would be, well, like, some people don't think they're stressed, but they are. Yeah. And it's it's all this stuff that's within that's causing stress and anxiety without. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Yeah, and there can be other physical symptoms, like um, like personally, just um, one thing that was kind of a wake-up call for me was, I guess it was three or four years ago, um, I went to the dentist because I was having a lot of tooth pain, and they discovered that I had fractured a molar, and they're like, oh, do you grind your teeth? And I was like, no. And they're like, well, we don't know why this is fractured then. <laughs> Like, you grind your teeth when you sleep at night. <laughs> and I thought about it, and I was like, I, they're like, do you ever wake up with, like, a sore jaw? I'm like, yeah, on the left side I do. And that was the side that was fractured. So, and I, re- you know, I read about it, and I was like, yeah, you grind. The, really, the only reason is stress. And so I was grinding my teeth at night. I had, like, a new job, and, like, a lot. Of, like, it was, like, my second year, and I was just really stressful. So, um that's what that was kind of a wake-up call for me because I was pretty upset that because I'd always had good teeth and now I have like a crown on that tooth and I was just it was like so then there was the whole like dentist experience and the anxiety that that brings and the dentist is a scary place for me so <laughs> I'd always been really nervous about the dentist so it's like God picked the thing that I was pretty nervous about already and maybe had to go deeper in that I was just like oh my gosh okay <laughs> so um Learning to trust God more was kind of what um, brought me to this topic. So um, for one of my classes, I did a research paper on anxiety. And um, they're like, oh, but you should become an expert on anxiety. And, like, I got to the end of this research paper, and I'm like, I feel like I just began to study it. Like, there's just so much. I am not the expert on anxiety for sure. Um, because, yeah, I still experience anxiety in a lot of things, and I'm sure you all do as well. And maybe, like, stress um, is something you don't even see. Like, I know, um, like, my mom, for, she even told me recently, she was like, oh, don't be stressed. Like, I totally regret when I was, when you were a kid, I was stressed out all the time. And I could see it, but she was stressed out all the time, but she couldn't, she didn't see it. So she sees it now. So um, I'm like looking at my life like, okay, where am I like taking on all this stress and why am I 
doing it this way? Like, why am I so, like, stressed out, you know? So, um, so okay, so to begin with that, um, uh, the first, on your handout, um, um, I'll just be honest, I had no way, how to, no idea how to organize this, so if I, it seems disorganized, it's because it is, so. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I try to be organized, but uh, okay. Um, okay. Good. So the first page is sort of an outline, and then um, the second page is for further study, and then the third page was my bibliography. Um, I just I took off things that weren't relevant for you. I just left things that I thought might be helpful for you all. Um, these are things I used, and then. Um, so my thought is I will talk for about, um, like, interactively for, like, 20 or 30 minutes, and then, like, the last 15 minutes, um, we will maybe break into, like, groups of three and do the for further study together, because um, I'm also a teacher, and I really <laughs> believe in when, like, I should not just be the one doing all the talking, because I think the one doing all the talking is probably the one doing all the learning and growing <laughs> for the most part, but that when we actually interact with scripture and talk about it ourselves, that's when we're really learning. So um, so the first um, question, when does godly concern become sinful anxiety? Um, so there are definitely examples in scripture where people are concerned and this is um, godly and biblical and of course there's times in our own lives where we should be concerned and if we weren't concerned it would be sinful right like you know we should be concerned for our children or we should be concerned for our family members um let's see like if uh just some examples i have is um second corinthians eleven twenty eight. It says, and apart from other things, there is a daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. And Paul even says, who is weak and I am not weak? Who is made to fall and I am not indignant? So to me, this really shows that he cares about the churches. Like he's, Paul is really concerned. Um, and it's a daily pressure. So he is feeling the pressure. He is feeling anxiety, but in this case, it's um, um, a lot of the words in scripture for anxiety can be translated like concern or anxiety. So you just kind of have to think about what is the context. Is this a sinful context? Like when Jesus says, do not worry or do not be anxious, he's giving us like, you know, here's I need to perk up because it's like the sin alert, you know, right? Whereas this is more like okay, he's, he has a legitimate pressure and concern, but what is he doing with this pressure and this concern? Um, and then, let's see, we have um, 1 Corinthians 
Um, I want you to be free from anxiety. The unmarried person is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body, body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. So here anxiety is being used more as just a concern. Like we are definitely, if we're married, we're concerned for our husband and we're taking care of our duties in the home. Um, so, you know, of course, anxiety is not a sin. Um, but then how do we know when it crosses over to sin? Um, it has to do with the object of our concern. So what are we concerned about? What is our goal? Um, what should we be concerned about? Um, you might have some thoughts in your mind. Like if I'm anxious, if I'm concerned, what should really, what are the desires that are underlying? And that's sort of the whole thing, the whole thing with anxiety this is like where it all comes to a head. What am I really concerned about? Like, what do I really care about? And like, for example, like for me with that job and I was um, grinding my teeth at night. And when I really thought about it, it's things like, well, what if I do something wrong? And someone calls me out on it, you know? And then, okay, so I get to do something wrong and I get in trouble. So, but why, why is that bad? Well, well, I'd be devastated. Well, why? Well, because people would know that I'm not perfect, right? <laughs> or, um, or it's also, it would be an uncomfortable conversation. I want to avoid an uncomfortable, that would be very uncomfortable to have to have that conversation. Jen, you did something wrong. Um, and then even, you know, deeper on that, it's, well, people like me, if I do things right, and if I do a good job, and if I could just kind of be invisible and always do things right, and then nobody has to pay attention to me. <laughs> so, um, and then I'm, you know, I get comfort, I get peace. Um, people maybe respect me a little without giving me too much attention. Um, and then maybe um, that's where my worth lies, because if people think that I'm, doing a good job, they think well of me, and then I'm valuable, and that's it, like, and so I had to really think about, like, wow, where did that come from, you know, and, and most of us can find things in our upbringing that point back to our ultimate desires and our places of worth and the things that happened when we were kids, and um, it doesn't mean that that's set in stone for life, though, right, we can change and we can grow. And so I had to, like, talk to myself, like, okay, like, what is the goal here? <laughs> like, to please and glorify God. So that should be our um, thing that we're most concerned about, like, to glorify God, like, his kingdom, um, pleasing him instead of the world. Um, so, like, we can look at, um, well, I just, like, I really like Martha and Mary, um, Luke ten forty one. 
um, and you all know it, um, but Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Um, so, really, I mean, um, you know, Mary is, she's sitting at the Lord's feet, and she's just learning about what is most important in life and in the world. Whereas Martha is running around and she wants the dinner to look good and everything to be, you know, it is a lot of work. She has to feed a lot of people, and that's valid. Um, but Jesus' point here was, was she trusting him? Like, obviously, he could have multiplied the food. He could have, you know, done anything to, um, to provide for this group of people. Um, but, um, but she was trying to do it all herself. Um, and she was anxious and troubled, um, which she really shouldn't have been. She should have just been resting at the Lord's feet. And honestly, if the dinner's not ready when Jesus is done talking, is that okay? Like, yeah, like it's okay. So um, thinking about like what if, like what if the worst thing happens? Like what if my boss finds out that I did something wrong and I have to have an uncomfortable conversation? Like, is that okay? Like, yes, that's okay. Like, it's not the end of the world. If it was, you know, maybe an honest mistake, even if it was a dishonest mistake, you know, there's forgiveness in Christ. And that's what matters. Even if my boss doesn't forgive me, the God of the universe forgives me in Christ. And so that's really all that matters. Even if I get fired from my job and, and you know, I'm left in the dust, like, I know it's like nobody wants to get fired from their job, and that would be a major bummer. And but don't I think that the Lord would provide for me if I did get fired from my job? You know, so it's things like that. Like that's what I really came to is like, so what? Like, what is the worst thing that could happen here? Um, yeah, because um, that's what really um, helped me see. Because I have had things in my life where. The worst thing I could imagine happening right now, that's what happened. And the Lord walked me through it, and um, that's how we grow, and that's how we become more Christ-like. Um, so it's really talking to ourselves a lot about the, the worst thing that can happen, happens, is that okay? Like, if God chooses for that to happen... Am I okay with that? Like, do I trust him? Do I, will I still love him? Will I still call him good and praise him? And there were definitely points in my life where the answer was no. I, like, I don't understand. Like, if this happens, how are you good? Like, I don't, and I, it took me a long time to admit that that's what I was actually thinking. Because we're always just like, of course, yeah, God is good. You know, we're going along in our Christian, we're going to church, and like, Everything's good, and then, and even the bad things happen, they're like, oh, I'm okay, I'm okay, like, I, I don't need help, but, like, everything's fine, and, but really, like, if we're, like, in this big ball of anxiety, it's because we think that the worst thing, if the worst thing happens, that means, like, what, like, 
God is angry at me, or God doesn't like me, or he's not fair, or something like that. Like there's something going on underneath where that's kind of what we're thinking. When we, it may not even be a conscious thought, but like that's how we're acting. So it really doesn't help when someone just says, don't worry, like it's going to be fine. Like, it's okay, I love you, or like, everything's going to be fine. Like, because maybe it's not going to be fine, like, in this, on this earth. Like, it might, it's, and people know that. Like, you tell them that, and they know, well, this could happen. You know, my teenager could learn how to drive, get in a car accident, and die in a, a wreck. That could totally happen. Like, it's just, do I... How, do, how can I get to the place where I'm trusting God in this? So, um, okay, so the object of our concern, what should we be most concerned about? Um, so number one was about God and his glory, his kingdom, pleasing him instead of the things of this world. Um, we can look at like Matthew 6.25 as well. Matthew 6.25. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet, I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven... Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So it's kind of interesting, and a lot of what Jesus says, it's... um, His goal is faith. Like, the most important thing to Jesus is often our faith. So, like, in verse 30, when he says, Therefore, do not be anxious. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Um, That's what Jesus really cares about. And if you read the, like, all, like, reread the gospel and go through and think about how many times does Jesus talk about someone's faith and what he honors and applauds in people is their faith. And I, I think it's faith in the character of God. Um, because God is, his, his point here is that Jesus is providing, God is providing for our basic needs, clothing, food, and drink. Um, but what are we anxious? I mean, really, most of us are not anxious that we'll have clothes to wear. Most of us are not anxious that we'll have enough food, at least in our 
society. Definitely in other parts of the world, people are. Um, so Jesus is saying, your physical needs are, are one thing. Um, but what about your spiritual? Like, what about what you really... Um, what about what really matters? It was kind of the same thing with Martha and Mary. Like, he was saying, he wasn't really saying that, like, oh, yeah, the food's not important. But he's saying, my point here is, what is our goal? Like, what is our soul really longing after? Um, and most of us, if we're being honest, we're not anxious about our actual needs. We're anxious about our wants and our desires. Um, so, like, when I looked at... Um, like for me in that job, it's like, well, I want people to think I'm great. Like, I want my boss to think I'm great. I want him to, you know, give me, like, praise me in front of the rest of the team. Or I really, that's what, I want him to notice me. Like, it's really, that's what I, was when I really, like, got underneath it. Like, that's what I, so once I realized that, it's like, oh, like, that doesn't matter. Like, it was just like this lifting of anxiety. Because I didn't really know that that's what was causing my anxiety. So when we, when we like, nail it down, it's actually very freeing. When we confess it to God and, like, man, Lord, I'm sorry. Like, that was, that was wrong. Like, I shouldn't care what this man thinks about me. Like, why am I placing him in the position of God when only you, you're the one I need to please? So if I'm doing my job to the best of my ability and God knows, he, and he knows where I'm not, he knows where, like, if I'm, if I'm being lazy or slack off, I don't know why that's, like, like, maybe I'm being too scrupulous, because I'm not perfect, and so every little thing, I'm like, oh, I could have done that better, you know, I could have, you know, been, because as a teacher, your job is never done, there's always more that you could do, or that you could have done, um, and it can make you crazy, like, it can just be like, ah, so he loves me, he's for me, he, whether I do this, like, amazing job, or whether it's kind of like, I kind of had a mediocre day, Jen, like, that wasn't, it was all right, you know, <laughs> but, like, to God, it's like, it's, it's like the Mary and Martha, like, yeah, just sit at my feet, just seek me, and know me, and be, be seeking my glory, um, because, you know, I'm gentle and humble in heart. You know, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden. It's like the perfectionist cry for help. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and take my yoke upon you. So, like, in my job, Jesus is saying, I am your standard. You know, I am the, I am the only one you need to please. Like, you don't need to, because honestly, like, some companies have really stupid rules and expectations and you can't meet them all you just can't and then there's like there's the underlying expectations there's like oh this is optional but if you do it you're great you know but like well that's not really part of my job but okay I better do it because that's what the great people do and then it's just like we're just so weary and burdened and and that's not what Jesus is calling us to do um so um, there's pleasing man, there's there's a little bit of pleasing man, there's perfectionism. It's all like interrelated to anxiety. Um, so the point of conviction in this passage, though, 
is we know God is providing for our needs, yet we are anxious about our wants and our desires. So confessing and repenting over those is very freeing. It's just, it's just this lifting of a burden like, okay, Jesus, I, I admit that I have just been caring more about what my boss thinks about me than what you think. I've wanted everyone to notice how great I am instead of just looking at you. And, yeah, his standards are not impossible for us. Like, he will never ask us to do something that is just so impossible that we can't meet that standard, right? Whatever he asks us to do, he provides the grace and the resources to do it according to his will. So we can rest in that. Um, okay, and you all know that um, anxiety is its not productive. Um, it steals your time. It's, it's not necessary. Um, and it just, it doesn't bring glory to God because we're not resting and trusting in him. So, um, okay, so our, we should be most concerned about God's glory. Next, be concerned about the interests of others rather than yourself. Um, so, of course, um, let's see, there's that verse, each of us should look not only to our own interests, but also to the interests of others. Remember where that is? Philippians. Philippians. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Philippians 2, 3 through 4. Um, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Um, and of course, Jesus is the ultimate example of that, that he um, put aside his own comfort and, uh, I mean, so much that, that all for us, for, um, and ultimately for God's glory. So, um, so, of course, when we're just so worried about our own thing, we're not really thinking about others. You know, we're not really, um, and so that's also very freeing, like to just say, instead of me worrying about this thing, I am going to pray for this person, you know? So like, you know, for example, if you have a conversation you need to have with someone, instead of playing in your mind, how is that conversation going to go? Well, I'm going to say this, and then she'll probably say that, and so I'm going to say this, and then, and you know the spiral, it just, it's, it's so unproductive. And it's so unglorifying to God. It's, it's such a waste of time when you're trying to think about conversations and also replaying conversations. Like, well, I said this, and then she said that, and like, I wonder if I had said it kind of this way, and like, and well, I wonder maybe was my tone wrong, or how did she interpret that? A little bit of that is good to go back and evaluate. Like, okay, well, maybe she's upset because I said it this way, or. Or because I, you know, or maybe I interpreted something wrong. A little bit of that is, is good because we're, we're um, evaluating a situation and how could we grow or do we need to apologize or, or things like that. But, um, but really replaying conversations and imagining future conversations is like the anxiety spiral that just makes everything worse. And um, it's definitely... Um, 
because, um, I mean, the Lord says, right, in 4.8, um, what we should be thinking about, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, <clears throat> whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, excellent. <clears throat> so, like, is that honorable to imagine a conversation in the future? Like, no, that's not honorable. You know, is that excellent? Is that praiseworthy? No, I really wouldn't want to admit to someone that I'm doing that. So those can be confessed as sin and just like, okay, God, I'm sorry. I shouldn't be doing that. I'm trying to take this into my own power, my own control. And I'm trying to have control over this situation by replaying it or future playing it. And that's just a form of not trusting God. So instead, being concerned for others means that we we're praying for them. And so, like, it's just so much better and freeing to your mind when you're thinking about this difficult conversation. And instead, you just pray for the other person, pray for yourself. Um, And just when you start to hear yourself in your head spiraling into this, like, um, worry and like unproductive thoughts like we can just stop and and just okay God I'm sorry help me because it is a it is a habit it is a pattern that is just it's really hard to break and we honestly can't break it on our own we need the power of the Holy Spirit so just God help me and like I've even prayed help me to want to change help me to want to love this person like I couldn't even say, help me love this person. Like, I couldn't even pray that prayer. I was like, God, help me want to love this person. And, and that, to- that works. Like, God honors that, those prayers. And he just, it's not like a, maybe you don't love them as much as God does, but he does transform your heart. Like, just ask him. Um, it's like that verse that says, Lord, I believe, help me. Yes. It's that similar thing. Yes. That's exactly, yep. Yeah, I want to do it. Um, the put-offs and the put-ons, I think, too. Uh-huh. We, don't, we want to put on, but we don't always put off. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to put this off. So yeah. Do it. Yep. Yeah, because the flesh is weak. And, and sometimes it's physical. Like, you know, we're having anxiety, we're having panic attacks, and it's this physical response. Um, but I think there's also, there's also the brain. The brain has this, you know, it's the flesh, but our brain is part of our flesh. So our brain can be doing things that we don't want it to do. And so that's where we ask God to intervene and to help us um, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, and you mentioned perfectionism and what is, as a Reformed perfectionism, <laughs> but it's like, God tells us to be perfect, but not in that way right. of the doing that. It's, it's in the holiness aspect. Uh-huh. And when we're second-guessing a conversation, we are second-guessing that God was, if we're prayerfully going forward, not that we're going to be perfect, but to trust, you mentioned trust, that God is going to use whatever we said, and he'll cancel out whatever he didn't want the person to hear and that's another aspect of trust where to the best of our abilities we're trying to rely on the Holy Spirit to lead us mm-hmm. into that conversation right yeah totally. we are going to make mistakes and that's yeah. okay too yeah Sometimes we have to go back to that person and, and ask them for forgiveness <laughs> if we said something that we should not have or have an attitude that we shouldn't have had yeah but that 
desire to be perfect is not yeah. a good one. Yeah, no, it's okay to prayerfully think like, okay, was, what did I do wrong in that conversation? And and then it's often an even better when you if you go to the person and you have to have like I'm sorry and I shouldn't and that's an, usually an even better conversation and um, bonds you together in Christ even more. So, but yeah, the perfectionism is just, um, and I think that's kind of where, what Jesus was getting at with Martha. Like she was trying to be perfect at the things that at that moment really wasn't what Jesus wanted her to be perfect at. He wanted her to just sit at his feet and, and listen and yeah, and having, you know, like, yeah, like, in your home, you know, I know for me, like, being an amazing cook is just not my strength, and, you know, if I can get really down on myself that I'm kind of a ho-hum cook, and it's like, well, this is, is that what God wants, cares about right now in my life? And it's like, no, like, that I'm taking, but then it's, you know, how am I responding to my daughter's when they have needs, am I being patient with them with things? And that's what he cares about right now. So if that means that, you know, dinner is kind of on the back burner for me, then it still happens. It still gets done. But it's like, yeah, we've had the same thing for two months. <laughs> like, it's, it's the same rotation. I'm like, okay, I'm getting tired of this food, but it's okay. <laughs> Is that, like, that's not a sin. It's just, but it is a sin if I'm impatient with my daughters and I'm cranky towards them. And, um, yeah, so um, that's what matters to Christ. So, okay, good. Cool. So, can I share just a verse in terms of what you're talking about? Oh, yeah. Because I think, just speaking for myself, it's helpful to to think about what I'm thinking about mm-hmm. and what you're, you know, what you're saying. And, um these verses from 2 Corinthians 10, uh, 3-6 through 6 have, have just been really helpful for me. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take captive every thought to obey Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How was that? Second Corinthians um, 10, 3-6. I've, I've memorized that <coughs> quite a while back because I just would wrestle with my own thoughts mm-hmm. a lot. You know, and I needed to take my thoughts captive yeah. to make them obedient to Christ in terms of what does Scripture say about this? Mm-hmm. Which is really helpful. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And um, and that's where um, we get into um, Martin Lloyd-Jones um, in his book, Spiritual Depression, says we're talking, we are listening to ourselves when we should be talking to ourselves. So, I mean, depression is all linked with this as well. Like, it's, those, it's the thoughts. Like, when our thoughts are these depressing, anxious, un- unbelief, thoughts of unbelief and and rather than claiming God's promises trusting his word memorizing scripture it's depressing like I would go back through my day and I would think why am I depressed and I would think about all the things I had been thinking about throughout the day I'm like well no wonder I'm depressed like of course like I'm it's all like doubt and 
fear and worry and just all these things that um, that like are depressing. So it's and and we often can't just we can't pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and and just oh I'm just not going to think those things anymore. Well, I'm going to stop that. I'm not going to think that because willpower is just um, self-reliance, which is not glorifying God. So we are saved by grace. So it's something that He does to us, like the whole but God. You know, He's He He saves us. Um, but then, of course, we have a part, and sometimes all we can do is say, God, help me to want to change my thoughts. God, give me the strength to change my thoughts, because I know I need to do it, but I can't. Like, I'm weak. So then maybe meditating on um, when I am weak, I am strong, you know, that whole passage. And Romans 7, on the flesh, you know, the flesh does what we don't want it to do. Um, so... It's, we're doing it, but it's, it's like we're being carried along um, by the Holy Spirit. So, yes, go ahead. Um, Disciplines of Grace by Jerry Bridges has like a chapter on uh, how you are kind of a slave to sin, but if you practice, right, it's really hard at first to make that first decision to do what's mm-hmm. right, but then it actually gets easier. Mm-hmm. As you practice these things, and you, you know, and so it's it can be really discouraging because getting started in a sin that you've practiced for a very long time mm-hmm. um, can be really hard. Yeah. But the more that you do it, the less of a stronghold it has in, on you. And mm-hmm. I just after reading that, it was really encouraging because I put it into practice with a couple things, and I was like, oh, this, you know, yeah, it's not such a stronghold when you practice <coughs> the things that the, the put-ons and what the Lord has actually said is good. Yeah. Yep, that's true. Yeah, we can look back like five a year ago or five years ago or ten years ago at the things we used to struggle with, you know, if we're growing in Christ and it's like, Oh yeah, I don't even struggle with that anymore. Like it's just like so much better now. And then of course there's the things that we still kinda of struggle with a little bit, but you know, and then there's new things. But yeah, looking back it's like, Wow. Yeah. 